1: All right, welcome in to this week's edition of the Hoist the Colors podcast, the ECU Baseball Roundtable, also known as Bucks on the Pond, as Scott Lorbatcher, who is always on the bottom of this podcast, uh, as uh, as is rightly his place. And uh, not, not to downgrade your. your, your place, We're starting though, off with a bang tonight. tonight. But there's. There was one time he was to my right, and it was really weird. And then Wags uh, was on the bottom. So, uh, as always, we're live. We already got two comments. Kevin Ainge says, first, Chuck says, we are live. We are. We are live on Facebook, YouTube. It is the final week of the regular season, gentlemen. It flies by. It's hard to believe we're here. Scott Lorbacher, Jonathan Wagner, alongside, we're going to be talking, of course, about the week that was ECU Sweeps Memphis. They get the road win at Old Dominion, RPI now inside the top 20, and we'll get into the hosting discussion, we'll get into the fact that Oregon State has jumped ECU in the top 25, the disrespect is back, and I guess we'll, we'll all right, let's start with the 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 week that was, before we get into the poll discussion, let's start the for the week that was. We all predicted 4-0, right? Yeah, we did. Yeah, we did. And none of us jinxed it. We can no longer be held accountable for potential jinx. And we'll see what we all predict this week. But, you know, we all said it kind of really a few weeks ago that the Pirates had to play nearly spotless baseball down the stretch run of this regular season. Now they've won seven in a row. You would love to have that North Carolina win, but you can't win them all. Uh, But, you know, we'll see if the Pirates can keep it going. But just to – Really good, good run right now. The pirates are on. We'll start with Scott. Just your thoughts on the the uh, the four and zero week and kind of this surge that Cliff Galvin's team has put itself on.
2: Yeah, hitting uh, hitting our stride at the right time. Um, you know, got to finish the regular season strong and then, you know, win the conference tournament and let the chips fall where they may. But um, it was a good week. We hit the ball well all weekend um, after you know some offensive struggles on Tuesday, but. We go on the road and win a road game, get our road record back to nine and nine and then come home and, you know, actually sweep a team at home again. So that was really good as a team that we should sweep. And we did. And we did it convincingly until the last few innings of uh, Sunday's game. But all in all, a really good week. And now it's time to refocus and prepare for this uh, for tomorrow night against another really good opponent at home that we really need to to
0: win.
1: Jonathan, what impressed you most about the 4-0 week for the Pirates?
0: I really think this week, for the first time in a while, was truly I think you won because of the offense. And, well, I guess on in the midweek against Old Dominion, that wasn't the case. It was really the pitching staff that kind of held things together. And, again, great start from Garrett Saylor. But, you know, you get into the weekend, and the pitching staff pitched well. Again, like Scott said, until really the late innings of – Sunday and really Saturday too. But I mean, really you won because of the offense. It was kind of a home run derby out there at times. And it was, it wasn't even guys in the starting lineup, but it was guys coming off the bench, guys like Riley Johnson, guys like Carter Cunningham that have been in and out and guys like Alec Makarevich, who has been cold as of late, you know, really your guys stepped up and they came through and it wasn't your top guys in the order. Jacob Starling wasn't hundred percent this week. So I think you really, it was a really complete effort. I thought. And it really just – this week kind of made me appreciate things just, you know, with the the three seniors and seeing Senior Day on Saturday, Lane Hoover, Garrett Saylor, Carter Spivey. So it was a really cool weekend, and it was nice to kind of send them out at least on, the, on their weekend careers on a high note like that. So really it was just a really impressive weekend all around, and it, like I said it last week, but it couldn't have come at the perfect time.
1: Yeah, I'm glad you brought up the seniors because I feel like we we haven't discussed that group enough, and – you know to to do what they've done to host four straight regionals and uh, or to play a big role in that. And, and all those guys have overcome such great adversity. Like Garrett Saylor, his freshman year, couldn't even throw the ball to home plate as a pitcher. Like it sounds crazy, but he really had the yips. Carter Spivey, we all know the story. Three year, years of up and down pitching, and then finally found his groove. And then Lane Hoover, I mean, what can you say? The guy's been a staple of the program you know overcome broken collarbone has overcome getting hit in the face by Connor Norby's knee and just a frightening incident and um you know has overcome some you know ups and downs at times too so it's just a awesome senior class great way to send them out and of course they want to host a regional which we'll get into if that's a possibility but um yeah just so glad they could could wrap up their careers it was pretty emotional you know, I wasn't crying like Cliff Goblin uh, or any of the players, but you could just tell like Carter Spivey pregame, it was getting him a little bit. Like when he looked down at the jersey they presented him with, uh, he got a little emotional. And then he ended up pitching that game on the Saturday game when they did the ceremony. So just a really cool weekend. It's always cool to be there in person, see those guys uh, go out one last time in that fashion. All right, let's get to some of the comments. And, and of course, we'll talk about the week um, to come. As always, drop your comments questions anything that you want to in the section we'll get to it throughout the show as always the comments kind of guide where we take this thing uh starting with chris lehman he says haven't listened to the steve logan interview don't spoil it please well uh chris uh spoiler alert uh steve logan says he's going to join us next monday night for the ecu baseball roundtable he did say he was a big baseball fan so uh that's all i got for you but otherwise, yeah, enjoy that. Check it out, 94.3 The Game. Um, Facebook, YouTube, great interview. we got Mike Schwartz coming on tomorrow. And then, by the way, we might as well go ahead and make this announcement. The These two gentlemen and this podcast will be making its radio debut on Friday. We are going to have the ECU Baseball Roundtable Bucks on the Pond on Friday at 12 noon on 94.3 The Game. So that will be after... The first game of the USF series, because it's a Thursday through Saturday series, so we should have plenty to talk about, guys, because we'll have two games down. Of course, we're doing this podcast before the first uh, game of the week, so we'll, we'll kind of have our latest projections, feelings on how things are looking after two games, uh, but that'll be fun, so uh, no pressure, no pressure. Uh, we're just we're just changing locations, and we'll see how that goes, but um, yeah, that, that'll be fun. Um, all right, this is a good one. And obviously a very moving target. We might as well just group this in with the hosting discussion. But Will Stafford wants to know, how many more wins does it take to host? Well, Will, this is a loaded question. And I I don't think there's really a true answer. But we'll start with Scott. You know, can you put your finger on a win total off the top of your head? Or is it more about what ECU does in terms of winning the championship and what other teams do?
2: It certainly has a, a little bit to do with that. But if you win eight, right, you're probably going to host. Because if you win the rest of your games, you're looking at a 15-game winning streak. Going into a Selection Sunday, you'll have an RPI in the, in the top 10 more than likely. And I think that's likely a, likely, likely a host spot. But as you know, eight would be all of them. Um, and that's not going to be an easy task. If you look at where we're sitting right now, say Houston wins out, we'll still finish a half game back. I don't know if that will hurt us or not. It may um, factor in. Um, But then that would mean we're playing Tulane on Tuesday in the uh, AAC AAC tournament, uh, and they're likely going to start Ricky Castro on that Tuesday. So we didn't hit him last time, so we'd have to figure out a way to do that. So eight, and I think we're, we're solid if it's seven including the conference tournament, maybe. And you just have to hope that some of the teams in front of us falter, Um, you know, up to 19 in RPI. You know, like I said last week, if you go through the top 20 in RPI, find four teams that you don't think deserve it as much as we do. And then if you can find those four, then likely you've gotten us into a top 16, um, you know, there, there's some talks of teams outside that top 20 in RPI that may be able to host, like Oregon State. Um, we'll see about that. I, I, I personally don't think they're going to host with their RPI the way it is. It's only going to get worse. But if you if you want to for sure host, win them all.
1: It's a good way to put it. As I count this quickly, and you guys can correct me if I'm wrong, ECU 19 in the RPI, I have seven SEC teams ahead of ECU, six ACC teams ahead of ECU in the RPI at this time. Um, Like, to me, and a lot of those are projected hosts, but is the committee really going to let that many teams, and I know all those probably aren't going to host, but, like, the majority of those teams, are they going to let five, six ACC and SEC teams all host? Is that a possibility? Um, I don't know. I mean, that, that just seems like, like, they would like to maybe spread it out a little bit, maybe not. But um, your thoughts there, Wags?
0: Yeah, I mean, looking at the SEC first, you know, you have a whole bunch of teams there. And and really, like we we keep saying, like, there's only one week left in the regular season plus conference tournaments. But, I mean, that's enough to completely change almost everything. So, and I'm not just talking about the last teams in. I'm talking about at the very top, you know. So it's really, you know, your Arkansas, your LSUs, your Floridas, your Vanderbilt's, South Carolinas of the world, they're all going to host. And those are, I think, in my eyes, locked in as hosts pretty much no matter what happens. But SEC-wise, then you look at a team like Kentucky, who I believe is number one in RPI right now, depending on where you look. But to me, I don't think Kentucky is a host. Just because of how they've played in the SEC over the past couple of months – I just their SEC record is 15 and 12, but they're just the way they've they're they're kind of stumbling to the end of the year, and to me that looks like more of a two seed, and that seems to be where they fall in at, for the most part. And but you look at a team like Tennessee. Tennessee is firmly in the two seed range, but if Tennessee goes three and oh this weekend and makes a deep run in the SEC tournament, then Tennessee is probably a good bet to host. And you could say the same thing for Alabama's Auburn's and. Then you look at the ACC, and I think there's kind of a little pod of teams. And Wake Forest, Clemson, Virginia are probably sure good sure bets to host to me again. And then you look at you know Duke Falter this weekend against Georgia Tech. And Miami's right there, Boston College. I think you look at those three teams right there, and they're right on the hosting line. North Carolina could play, play their way back into it. So there's just a lot of teams left, and there's a lot of teams that still could get back into it. And for whatever reason, it just feels like ECU isn't really into discussion. And I don't agree with it. If, if I was putting together a field based on what rankings and unbiased, ECU would probably be a late 15-16 uh, type of host to me. And for whatever reason, it just seems like other teams are above them right now and other teams that might not have the best numbers in comparison. So it's an uphill battle for sure. But in the end, like we said, you just have to win as many games you possibly can. You need some help. And then you need to hope that the committee likes what you've put together, because in the end, who knows what the committee's going to say?
1: Yeah, I mean... Th- for ECU, the goal is simple. Winning make it hard to leave you out. I mean, if you go two and two this week, you're, you're probably done. You know, you, you got to win a lot of baseball games. And, you you know, depending on who you lose to, it could really kill you in the RBI given this conference. That's just the, the real shame of it. And, look, the SEC is by far, in a way, the best league. I'm not saying these teams don't deserve it. I mean, you can watch an SEC game, and it is a different level of baseball. But it's just like South Carolina has now lost four out of five series, and they're still third in the RPI just because every single game they play is a top 50 game. So, like, even if they get swept or lose two out of three, it doesn't punish them that bad. Like them in Kentucky, to me, like, you know, yeah, they're really high in the RPI, but both are, you know, to me, kind of wishy-washy as far as how they're playing down the stretch. They've had good and bad weekends. So you just don't know how the committee is going to look at it. So for ECU, you just got to win some games um the big series to watch i guess this weekend guys is duke and miami it feels like maybe the loser of that series could you know falter and fall behind ecu and uh drop behind the pirates and there's also some other series to monitor which i'm sure scott has looked into it closely um scott any any that you have offhand that you're really going to be looking at this weekend as far as the hosting race
2: Yeah, I think you nailed it. I think um, that Duke-Miami series is going to be huge because I think one of those teams, whoever wins that series will host, I think for sure. Um, And really, I think it's probably better for us if Miami sweeps Duke. That would probably knock them out of the top 15, 20 range in RPI, maybe down to about 20th. Um, Another one, Clemson-UNC for two reasons. I think if UNC goes to Clemson and takes two out of three, it really hurts Clemson's RPI. It really helps ours. And if UNC can play their way into a top 20 RPI, then we have a two-game weekend series win over a top 20 RPI team. And one maybe off the radar, um, another top 20 RPI, uh, RPI team, though, is uh, Indiana State goes to our friends the Missouri State Bears in Springfield, Missouri, this weekend. Um, Missouri State is three games behind Indiana State in the uh, Missouri Valley Conference um, so a sweep would mean they would tie the regular season. Obviously Missouri State would have the um, the tiebreaker. And Missouri State is, I think they're 67th in RPI um, with a top 15 team coming in um, to their home field to play against. If they can get into the top 50, that helps our resume because then we have three more top 50 wins. So um, those three series are all be important. Um, I'll probably dig into it a little bit more tomorrow um, and maybe have a, a, a tweet or a post out with all the teams that I'm pulling for this weekend like I did last weekend. So check that out. It uh, should be on the message board and on Twitter. If you're not following all of us, maybe do that. I'll help you out.
1: Uh, Michael Hackett wants to know where is Merrick Beaker. My sources tell me Merrick Beaker has uh, left the team, no longer on the team. So I would not expect him to pitch. The rest of the season, obviously, barring some miraculous uh, return. Um, we've got a few comments. JPN says, we got disrespected in the polls. TJ John says, can I go get on the soapbox about the polls? Um, should we start recognizing collegiate baseball as the primary poll after they reinserted ECU <laughs> back into the top 25? Uh, are we and, in again? Yep, the ECU is back in the top 25. Uh Chip- behind Houston. I think Houston is out. Like I don't, <laughs> I don't. I, I'm pretty sure that I looked at it earlier. Chip Welch, who's the uh, director of media relations with ECU baseball, texted me earlier saying, "Hey, we're back in the collegiate baseball top 25," and I was stunned. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm looking over it right now. It, yeah, Houston is uh, is no longer in the top 25 of uh, collegiate baseball. So they didn't even lose a series, and somehow they dropped out. So this guy is just, I mean, I don't know what he's smoking when he's putting together these things, but it's something. Uh, But, yeah, D1 Baseball dropped DCU. We all have strong feelings about this. Uh, You go 4-0, you win seven in a row, and you're dropping in the polls. Kind of hard to believe, no matter the competition. Yet UConn loses to Butler. Should have lost the damn series. Should have gotten swept by an 11-win Butler team. And they're st- still at, what, nine? Still at nine. Like, what is that? What are we doing, man? I mean, it's a freaking joke. And, and Oregon State wins UCLA while oh, they're in the Pac-12. UCLA isn't even good this year. It's
2: just- UCLA, is, UCLA has a ton of injuries. I mean, they're they're a shell of the team they were at the beginning of the year. And yeah, I think, yeah, mean, Clemson jumps to, what, six? And Clemson got swept by UCF. Now, granted, they were still <laughs> juicing their bats at the time, but they still got swept at home a team that we swept so uh, yeah i don't i don't get that and uh, yeah i see somebody talking about yukon um, in, the, in the chat but yukon plays another bad rpi series this weekend so they'll drop out of the i think they've already felt fallen out of the top 25 in rpi so they're just going to keep falling because um, the league's not good so uh, yeah and west by god virginia in the big 12 baseball powerhouse west virginia um, they do maybe have the best player in the country, but they're up to seventh now. So yeah, I just gotta protect the brands. Hey, if
1: you're winning the Big Twelve or the Pac 12, you get automatic credence just because it's a power league, you know. I ju- it just bothers me that that is bled in the baseball. You know, let's send Oregon State to ECU and let's see how they do. Hell, send ECU to Oregon State and let's see how that goes.
2: <laughs> Anywhere, anytime.
1: <laughs> Beavers would probably win, but anyways. <laughs> the weather would be terrible. Yeah, in Oregon, I would take the Beavers, uh, to be fair. Um, all right, uh, there's a couple of comments about, can we comment about Tulane blowing the game? Jack Dover says, yeah. Goodness gracious, man. What a, the fighting Corey Glores, I man, what are they doing out there? They have one pitcher. Yeah. <laughs> Like, Ricky Sanchez is it, and I was watching the Saturday game, and they got a pretty substantial lead, and they were bringing in their best bullpen guys. And these dudes suck, man. And we saw it in Greenville. Like, give Tulane credit. They came in and played well, Castro pitched well. But outside of that, like, they can't throw strikes. They're dropping the ball. Their catcher is (laughs) an embarrassment. I mean, this guy was getting multiple catcher interferences. He was trying to frame the ball and he kept dropping it. Like, what the hell is going
0: on in New Orleans, guys? I mean, I mean, this in the nicest way possible, but Tulane does not have talent on their roster. (laughs) They're an awful baseball team. And it was just, and it's not even just Tulane choking it, but it was the umpires too, because there was a pitch clock violation on Tulane while they were on the mound that had a major impact in the game. And then I believe in the same game, Tulane was at the plate and there was a strike three called on a Tulane batter to get out of a jam. So it was just all around just so frustrating, which again is just so fitting for a Tulane baseball team.
1: Yeah, just disappointing. And I know, Scott, you uh, you predicted a Tulane series win. Um, how, how early did you regret that?
2: Well, uh, the Saturday game, they had them and blew it, right? And then, even on Sunday, I was like, if, they, if they win a game, that's essentially a series win in my book at this point, and they get up four to nothing, and then they blow that, and then they cut it to 12 to 11, and then they give up six in the top of the ninth, and I don't think I've ever seen a catcher with a worse ejecto mid than the Tulane catcher. I mean, the ball just wouldn't stay in there. So I, I guess Tulane sold their soul to win um, the American Football Championship and. Uh, a new year's eve six bowl and now they have to suffer through a 14 win baseball season because that is legitimately one of the worst baseball teams i think i've seen in a long time however they do have a win over uh the pac-12's newest top 25 member washington so and they won at washington so pac-12 power conference
1: did ricky castro start i think
2: it was on like a tuesday (laughs) so maybe
1: yeah, and uh, Ricky Castro. Yeah, like, like you said, Tulane sucks, but I don't want to see them in the tournament for that reason. And it's a possibility if ECU can't get off the two line. Although USF Tulane tied for last going into this uh, this weekend. Um, Chuck says I don't believe the hype. We have to win out to host a regional. I think if we beat Campbell. Take two out of three against USF and win one game in the AAC tournament we host. I don't think one game in the AAC tournament is going to do it, Chuck. I I think think your scenario, if you win three out of four, and then definitely if you win the conference tournament. See, to me, if you win the conference tournament, let's say there's a scenario where you finish a half game out of the first place. The only way to make up for not winning a really bad league is, A, be playing your best ball at the end of the year, which ECU will be, and then go win the conference tournament to make up for it. So I think that's the only way. If you don't have the regular season title or the conference tournament title, I don't think ECU's hosting no matter what their RPI is. Uh, do you all disagree?
2: No. I think uh, you're right. I think it's there's no differentiators there for us this year that the way there's been in the past. We're not in the top ten. We don't have the top 50 wins. We don't have the road wins. Um, we don't have the RPI. So without, without those things, I think we really do have to win, you know, seven, eight games the rest of the way.
1: Uh, Wyatt Gable says, does the conference tournament count towards the national rankings? Yes, they do. They count towards the RPI hosting all of it. Um, Chuck says, if we do host, what are we looking at, 13 or 14 seed? I think right now, yeah, anywhere from 13 to 16 Barring some sort of, you know, if you if you win every game, if you win eight in a row, and you have some teams collapse, maybe you get a little higher. But you know, I think you're still in maybe 12, 13 if everything goes right. I don't know. I mean, y- y'all think a national seed's out at this point, right?
0: I would, I would think so. But I mean, then again, look at last year. I, would, yeah, I mean, we I said it know, in past weeks. Know. Look at last year. I mean, at this time of the year, you know, we figured okay, okay, we're in the tournament now, which is good. But a couple weeks ago, we weren't. Like we were completely out of the picture and like, and by the picture, I mean, we weren't making a tournament, let alone hosting. And we were top eight. So I don't know. And I think to me, it's the, there is a path to hosting and we've said it again, you, you have to be perfect probably, but I do think if you, if you beat Campbell, then I think you can probably afford more to go two and three over the weekend over your, South Florida. You'd still like to go undefeated there and go four and this week, but Again I think if you if you win the conference tournament even if you go two and three and you finish a half game back at Houston in the regular season, if you win the conference tournament I you're going to be in a discussion again it just matters on what the other teams do and if you're putting ECU up against, you know and they're gonna say this doesn't matter but you know the teams like the Oregon states, team like the Boston colleges, again ECU like especially like a team like Boston College, a team like Duke, ECU has that national respect. ECU is a power brand, and it, I could see them getting the nod. We, we've seen what this place to, can do for a regional, and if the resumes are close and that's what's differentiating, then I think it's definitely something that could play into it.
1: Uh, Josh Hill says, When the regular season and tourney and win out, we host. Only win out and win the tourney. We might host when neither we are a two seed. Yeah, only win out and win the tourney.
2: That's if Houston also wins. Okay, their games this weekend. Gotcha. We don't get the the regular season title.
1: Gotcha. Makes sense. I was struggling there. Um, all right, let's go back to the comments. Where were we? We got a lot. Appreciate the uh, the interaction tonight. It's that time of year, guys, where the RPI discussion, the hosting discussion, it's all a bunch of fun um let's see all right here's a good one because we had the coldest take imaginable on the hoisted colors message board and this goes in line with that uh i think we saw why dixon williams hasn't seen more playing time this weekend uh and then somebody on hoist the colors and this guy can't be serious but essentially said we need to move on from dixon williams after what he saw this weekend bro it was one game man And he's had 12 plate appearances, 12 at-bats all year. He was also called out on two ball threes or two balls. Both of them were not strikes. One of them was way off the plate. One of them was low and inside. So, look, Dixon didn't have a great day. He'll be the first to tell you that. He's also barely played. He was facing a uh, a left-handed starter. So, look, come on, guys. What are we doing?
0: Yeah, go ahead. And Dixon probably, let's be real, he wasn't – he probably wasn't even expecting to be in the lineup that day. That was probably a last-minute thing with Jacob Starling's back, and you know that was probably a, probably a last-minute thing. Starling probably warmed up and said he couldn't go, and then Dixon, all right, you're in, buddy. And again, when you only get you know 20 at bats a year, it, it you're gonna need some time to get used to seeing live pitching that's not the same guys you've been facing. In- Practice so fair to Dixon at all, and let's not forget what was it last weekend, two weekends ago, when Dixon Williams got two plate appearances at home, and what did, what did those two balls go? They went all the way to the warning track. They were probably the best hit balls all day. So if you're going to look at one game, then look back two weeks ago and look at those two. And it's just not fair to kind of nitpick there on one game on a true freshman in his first real at bats against a lefty pitcher, like Igo said that. That's ridiculous.
1: JPN says he played Tuesday and Sunday. Yeah, Tuesday he had two at-bats. Um, I can't remember what he did on the first at-bat move, grind out. But his second at-bat, he had a good at-bat, fouled off several pitches and lined out in center field. So, like, he had, you know, at least one good at-bat and two plate appearances, and then Starling came into the game. So, look, I, I think Dixon Williams is going to be a stud. I mean, he has got tremendous raw power. They've worked on some things with him this year. He's going to be good. And we need to uh, chill out with that talk. The guy's a local product. He probably is putting some pressure on himself, too, because we talked about him a lot. So he'll be fine. Uh, Whether it's this year or next year, of course, we want Starling to be okay. And by the way, we've had several questions on Starling. Um, Just I don't know how many back injuries, injuries there have been this year, but it seems like a lot. He's just kind of dealing with an ongoing back deal, and it'll be something that is day-to-day having to be managed. I think he could have played Sunday if needed, but no need to push it. He didn't look comfortable Saturday, so hopefully getting today off helps, and we'll see if he's in the lineup tomorrow. But it's just a day-to-day situation with Jacob Starlin, which is a shame because he was starting to really swing the bat really well. Um, And I I will say on
0: Starlin real quick – And Cliff did say earlier today on part radio, he's day to day. He probably won't play tomorrow, but I I do think Starling, I noticed this on Saturday and it was after they did the senior day ceremonies as guys are kind of hanging around in front of the dugout. And I noticed I'm like, there's someone like pretty much laying flat on the turf in front of the dugout, like stretching out their back and like really intense stretching right before the game and obviously got up and that was Starling. So I think it, like we said, didn't look comfortable Saturday, I don't think. So I think it's definitely playing a factor but day-to-day, and I think you have a couple guys that can step in. So it's uh, same thing we said with Trey Savage, other guys all year. Give him the time he needs because he'll be more valuable to you in a couple weeks in the postseason at full health rather than trying to rush him back.
1: Jack Dover says, does anybody play second base in a pinch outside of Dixon Williams if uh, Starlin's out? He mentions Cam Murphy. That is a possibility. We also saw Nate Crisman uh, play there late. And, you know, Barini obviously could slide over there if they want to put Crisman at short. He's played there in the past. Amac has played some seconds, so, you know, you can do some of that. But um, those are kind of your options. I thought Crisman's hit the ball well lately, not a ton of to show for it, but he seems to be making some progress with the bat. All right, let's get back into these questions. And Dave Englert says, "Do we need to beat Campbell more because they are ranked ahead of us, or just to get our first win of the season over them and UNCW, against whom we are 0 and 4 combined?" Scott, what is uh, what's the most important aspect of a uh, ECU, you know, potential win over Campbell? Why do they need this game?
2: It's a top 50 RPI win. Um, that's a metric that is often used by the committee is what you do against the field, what you've done against top 50 RPI teams. Um, it doesn't really matter where they're from and whether or not they want to beat us or more, are more inspired to beat us than maybe somebody else would be. Um, and it keeps the win streak alive. Right now, you know, last year we wrote a, I forget how many games it was, win streak into the, into the, uh, the national tournament. I think it was, what, 20 games or 21 games. Um, if we can get to 15 this year, that's, you know, a notch in our cap that a lot of other teams aren't going to have. So, um, yeah, top 50 RPI win, keep the win streak going more than anything.
1: And ECU right now, four and five, top 50, right? So, to me, getting back to 500 at least, we talked about Missouri State, maybe they can – man, it will be big if they could get top 50 because that just makes your record look so much better. Three wins, obviously, but you can't count on that. So, you won't Campbell – you won't this win – it's probably your last, last top 50 win period on the table. So if you're 500 there and you're above 500 on the road, I think that makes your resume look much, much better. Um, so, yeah, big game tomorrow night. Josh Hill says, can Chase Soul play on the baseball team as well? He's the new receiver commitment. Um, yeah, he can play on the baseball team. When I talked to Chase, he said right now his focus is on uh, football – that's what he's focused on. He was a big-time recruit out of Texas, ended up focused on just football, Go to going to Colorado. And um, the thing is, when you're a football player, your scholarship always counts towards the 85 football limit. So he could play on the baseball team, not count against ECU's scholarship limit, but I think he would count against the 35-man roster limit. So there is that factor. But um, right now, no plans of that. We'll see after he gets here uh, what happens. But ECU's baseball roster are pretty, pretty full. Um, Christian says, are you all going to be at the game tomorrow? Are we going to be at the game tomorrow?
2: <laughs> I will not be. I will be here watching my baby. <laughs> and <then> I will
1: <laughs> I will be at the game, Christian. So I'll be representing. Disappointing one truth guys.
2: We got one real card. <laughs> Gotta work
1: 128, unfortunately. Yeah, that's tough. Tough. Christian, are you gonna be at the game tomorrow?
0: <laughs> that's, yeah, that's a real, the real question. Yeah. That's if you're the real listening
2: question. and you're <laughs> gonna be at the game, like, comment, and subscribe. <laughs> and if Scott's you're watching been, on Facebook, share the stream on Facebook.
1: I don't know if y'all have been noticing, but our, our likes on YouTube have been going way up because that's been it's because Scott's been breaking into y'all's houses <laughs> and uh Hitting the likes, I'm not gonna lie, our views on YouTube for our like post game videos and for uh, this podcast have been going way up. So whatever you're doing, Scott, it's working.
2: Mm-hmm. I just keep creating fake accounts and just have it playing all of <laughs>
1: <laughs> He's got it live streaming on forty different computers right now around him. Um uh josh hill says unless we get left out because there are 14 teams in the southeast hosting yeah there's a lot of teams in this area hosting we can get into that discussion i feel like we talked about that a lot so we'll move on right now uh which team would we want to play first in the conference tournament dave englert wants to know houston or wichita state i assume he's saying like later in the tournament because there's no way they're going to be a first round opponent so I guess he's saying, like, would we rather be on the side of the bracket as Wichita or Houston? Um, I don't know. I'm kind of scared of Wichita after what happened <laughs> What happened? in which I don't want to see Peyton Tolley again. And Houston, I thought, was extremely fluky how they beat ECU. I would love for ECU to get some revenge on Houston. I don't know about you guys.
0: Yeah, I, I agree. I don't care what the standings say, but I think Wichita State is a far better team than Houston is. And to me, it's not it's not really close. Um Houston is just again, there was a fluky series like I said, and there were three games that you, you probably should have won, but they didn't, and that's okay. And Wichita was Wichita and I don't want anything to do with them. Nothing to do with Wichita. I don't want to go through it again. Houston was just as frustrating. But, again, I think Wichita State is a better team. I think they're better offensively, better pitching. So if I'd rather be on the side of the bracket with Houston.
1: Scott, do you have any preference um, on just the tournament in general? Like, Would you like to see ECU avoid, obviously, Tulane, like we talked about? If ECU gets the one seed, they're probably going to face USF again because they'll have swept USF. <laughs> I don't know if USF has an ace. I honestly haven't done any USF research at this point.
2: Yeah. um, Honestly, I would say best-case scenario is we play both Houston and Wichita State because they're the two best RPI teams in the league. And, you know, that's a metric we need. And we need to beat those teams. So, round one, play USF because we swept them and maybe Houston dropped a game. Then round two, we would be in the 4-5 game. Which I think, if UCF or Cincinnati can win enough, they can pass Wichita, and Wichita could potentially be in the four or five slot, and then in the in the championship game, um, you know, maybe facing up either against Houston or Wichita again. So, um, really, we just want to play the best RPI teams in our league. Um, I don't think that when we're playing our best, there's anyone that is going to be better than us on the field. Um, and so if that's the case, then you need to just go out there and prove you better and win these games. Um, get your RPI, you know, to six or seven, maybe. So, yeah, I think I want to play them all. So let's do that.
1: Let's line it up and play every team in the American one more time. Um,
2: one through eight <laughs> or nine or however many.
1: There are. <laughs> not enough. Sadly, <laughs> not enough. Good RPI teams. That's for damn sure. Um, Adam McMunn says, is Campbell large enough to host? I guess he's talking about the facility. Josh says they're pretty much done. Campbell's too far down the RPI. What are they, 23 right now?
2: They are, I have it right here, currently ranked 22nd. They have four road games left.
1: They got a Um, tough schedule this week. USC Upstate's good.
2: They come to Greenville against RPI 19 East Carolina. And then they go to Spartanburg against RPI ninety seven South Carolina Upstate. Um, I mean, they won all four of those games. Yeah. I mean, they're right back in the conversation for sure.
1: Yeah, if they go four and zero, man, they'll be they'll be top sixteen RPI probably. Yeah, at least. So um, I wouldn't say they're done yet. If ECU beats them, that definitely I think helps ECU because ECU will jump up. Like all those teams I haven't looked at it today, but as of yesterday, like. 16 through 22. There was not a ton of separation in terms of the RPI points. So, like a win tomorrow could mean you're top 16 if you're ECU. A loss could drop you to the you know to the low to mid 20s. So it's a big game for uh, for obvious reasons. Um, I don't know if you have those numbers in front of you, Scott.
2: Yeah, we're 40 points ahead of Campbell right now. Um, and Miami is one point ahead of us. West Virginia is nine points ahead of us. Um, and then when you get to 16 at Stanford, they're 39 ahead of us. Um, so there's a bit of separation between 16 and 17. And then beneath us, we're 13 points ahead of Auburn, 30 points ahead of Oklahoma State. Um, yeah, I mean, that's that's one win or loss against a high RPR, RPI team or a loss to a, a low RPI team that could swing that in your favor. I think Memphis was a negative 60 um every game we played if we would have lost one of those so and it was a plus five for wins so keep that in mind
1: i was surprised it was plus anything with um how bad they were maybe their rpi wasn't as bad as i originally thought
2: it went up 18 spots this week
1: (laughs) it's amazing right i mean they played just by playing ecu their rpi went up 18 spots
2: they played three games they lost them all their rpi went up 18 so
1: makes zero sense uh, Dave has a personnel question. He says, do the recent outings by Tyler Brott have him back in our relieving rotation? <sighs> yeah, He looked good in the Friday game, right? But it was the Sunday game. He he got hit around pretty good. Or was it yeah. Saturday?
2: Sunday. Yeah.
0: Sunday,
1: yeah. Yeah, I mean, to me, it's just he's, you know the fastball is coming. The, the secondary stuff is just not not great right now. I really want to see him develop, and I don't even know if he's got another year left, but um I would love to see him develop like a hard slider. He's got the curve and the fastball right now, and I just don't feel like they play off each other very well. Whereas if you had like a hard slider from the same plane, maybe it would be more swing and miss. Because the fastball gets on you, but if you know it's coming and you can differentiate it pretty easily, which I think teams can, it's it's pretty hittable. So um look, I, I I want him to succeed. I, I think Tyler Brott would add a lot to the bullpen if they could figure out a way to get him more consistent. But I just don't know in close games right now if you can can trust it. So, I do like they've kept going to him to give him chances, but it's just been inconsistent. So, I don't know, guys. The bullpen right now, like I feel really good about Danny Bill. I feel really good. Uh, if Saylor isn't starting, I feel really good. I think, like, come postseason, he'll probably be out of the pen for, like, a regional I feel really good about uh, Landon Ginn. I feel good about Jake Hunter. I feel good about uh, Wyatt Lunsford shinkman obviously. Who am I leaving out? That's five. Spivey. Spivey. definitely. That's six. You know, six guys you feel really good about. And then, of course, you got Trey Savage as your starter. You got Josh Groves as your starter. You got Zach Roode as a potential starter. So that's nine guys I feel good about. And then you got guys like Eric Ritchie, Tyler Brott, um, Jaden Winter, who can go in and, and throw at spots. So I, I feel like the depth is pretty good. I mean, it doesn't sound like a ton, but maybe we should all realize that's a lot more than a lot of, a lot of college baseball teams have. Um, just y'all's thoughts on the bullpen as we come down the stretch here. We'll start with Wags.
0: I think um, I was glad to see um, Tyler Brott kind of get worked in a little bit again. Yeah. Um, Really just because um, I think, you know, with with him – and you look at the schedule coming up, you play Tuesday Campbell. That's that's an all-hands-on-deck type of game just because it's so important. And then you play Thursday, Friday, Saturday against South Florida. So the Tuesday to Thursday short turnaround, you know, if, you, if you're forced to go to someone like Carter Spivey, say, more than you might want to tomorrow on Tuesday – and he has to pitch out of the bullpen for an extended outing, then he might not be available on Thursday. He might not be available on Friday. So the bullpen is going to get thin, stretch really thin. And then once you get to a conference tournament setting, that's where I think even if you don't necessarily trust a Tyler Brott, Tyler Brott's going to pitch at some point. He's going to find his way into the game. And so I'm glad that he got worked in, but I agree. And I do think he has one year left, Um, but I agree. I think having a power slider to go off of that hard fastball, would make him that much harder to hit. And I see Willie Lumpkin there in the comments too. I do like Willie Lumpkin. It just feels like every time I say good things about Willie Lumpkin, he gives up a two-run bomb to the same spot in left <laughs> center field. And it's just a no-doubter and it's crushed. But I do think Willie Lumpkin too, In he's got good stuff. He's got a good fast – he's got a lot of movement. And I, I, I love pitchers like that. And I do think that Willie Lumpkin – is going to play a big role once you get into the conference tournament. Like I said, I'm just not sure how some of those guys, like the Tyler Brats, how the Willie Lumpkins, will. I, I don't think those guys are going to be trusted once you get into a postseason regional type setting when your season's on the line.
1: Scott, the thing I like about this group of guys, like the nine guys we kind of listed, like all of them can go extended innings. Like we've seen Shankman go like four or five. I mean, obviously that isn't ideal, but. We've seen Spivey. I mean, he's got starter experience, Uh, Sailor Root. Like, once you get into a regional, you can lean on those guys if needed for, you know, three to five innings, and I think that's pretty big.
2: For sure. They can carry you to to and through the end of a game. Um, I think you'll see Sailor go longer on Tuesday this week than maybe we did last week. He didn't pitch at all this weekend, um, so maybe that's setting him up to start – Start as a true, you know, I want you to go out there and get six or seven. I know Cliff probably wouldn't tell him that, but go get six or seven innings on Tuesday um, and pitch well, and then turn around next Tuesday when the conference tournament starts and do the same thing. Um, But, yeah, you know, you look at this bullpen, I think there's definitely that top tier of the guys we mentioned, but that doesn't mean that second tier isn't important. You look at Friday's game. We had a big lead. Um and then you rely on guys like Richie and Brock and Lumpkin to get you to the end of that game and you don't have to burn a Danny Bill in a game where you're up four or five because all of a sudden now it's you're up four with two on and you need to you need a guy to come in that's one of your main guys. So um yeah, you know, everybody in this bullpen is important, but I definitely think there's certain guys that can come in and just finish the game no matter what inning they come in, and that is and that is something a lot of teams definitely do not have.
1: Somebody asked about Trey Savage's pitch count. What is it now, 50 to 60 pitches? Well, he threw 60 this past weekend, and that may have been a a little high after throwing 33 at uh, Cincinnati. But, you know, for the most part, right on track. And I think he'll be more near 70, 75 this week, and then uh, conference tournament probably closer to 90, and then postseason you cut him loose is kind of the plan. Hopefully he stays healthy. Stuff looked good, ninety four, ninety five. You know, breaking stuff looked as sharp as it's been in a while. So really encouraged by what we saw from savage And I think they've kind of approached his return the right way because, you know, I'll be interested to see what they do Thursday. It sounds like they're not going to move Josh Groves or savage up a day. So that almost might be like another midweek game as far as a pitching plan. And we can kind of get into this discussion, but for – we we know South Florida is going to be prepping for the AAC tournament, so it's likely almost going to be a midweek game for them too because they're going to try and line up their rotation. They'll probably throw their weekend guys, but on limited action, they have to win the tournament or else it doesn't matter. So how would you all maybe try and approach Thursday, like another another midweek game?
0: Yeah, I think, I think that's kind of the way you have to. Um, and I think not moving Josh Gross and Trey Savage up a day is the right move. And because we've we've already seen Trey Savage on 100%, and we don't want to risk him going on short rest while you're also trying to stretch him back out, that's, just, that's not a combination you want to mess with. And I think Josh Gross, too, we've kind of seen him slow down a little bit as the season gone on. I think he's pitched better in the beginning of his first few outings, but I still think he gets tired as the game gets into the middle innings. So moving him up and risking that with him as well, I just don't think it's something you can do. So, to me, I think I would go – it depends on what you do on Tuesday because, like I said, I think it's all hand on, hands on deck on Tuesday against Campbell. But if you can start Garrett Saylor on Tuesday, which he will, and then someone like Danny Beal or Jake Hunter, if I think if one of those two doesn't pitch on Tuesday, then they will probably go on Thursday. because I was, And Zach Root could go too because he didn't throw a whole lot i think he threw 50 pitches on sunday so he could theoretically come back on thursday as well so i think zach root could be a good option too but we'll see but yeah it's gonna be tough battling south florida not really focusing on the weekend the same way we are
1: michael hackett says any insight on the campbell pitcher that is starting tomorrow um I don't believe we have seen him in our prior games. It looks like he may have started the year in the pen. So I pulled up his numbers. I honestly don't have a scouting report, but here's the deal. He's a lefty. Big surprise. Uh, Jake Murray, and he is a transfer from Wake Tech. Looks like he started the year in the bullpen, didn't pitch a whole lot, maybe injury-related, basically didn't pitch from late March until late April, but then has been a midweek starter um for the most part recently and has pitched pretty well in his last three outings has gone 15 and two-thirds he's gone at least five innings in each start against high points he went five innings without allowing a hit striking out eight on april 23rd then he turned around started against elon went five and two-thirds struck out nine allowed just one run and then UNCW last week, five innings, four hits, three runs, three strikeouts, two walks. So he's gone pretty deep into games. Lefty starter, we'll see what ECU can do. Been seeing a lot of lefties lately, so won't be a uh, anything new there. Um, all right, let's get to a few more questions before we wrap up tonight. The way he drew it up, a.k.a. Buck Wild. yeah uh, <laughs> I'm just giving you a hard time. I know you're not him. Maybe. Uh, I think this is our best lineup. Thoughts. Lane Hoover, center field, leading off. Jacob Starlin, second base, batting second. Alec Makarevich, batting third, playing third. Jacob Jenkins-Coward, DH, and batting fourth. Josh Joylin. Josh Joylan. Josh Moylan. <laughs> Josh Joylan. That's a great name. <laughs> that's I'm a baseball name. Josh Joyland batting fifth, playing first. Luke Nowak batting sixth, playing left. Justin Wilcoxon batting seventh, catching. Joey Barini batting eighth, playing shortstop. Carter Cunningham batting ninth, playing right field. Um, I feel pretty good about that lineup. I just, I would probably move AMAC down and Wilcoxon up. Um, but when AMAC is hot, you know, you ride him. Right now it looks like he's hot, but, Scott, your thoughts on this lineup?
2: Yeah, I like uh, I like J.C. in the two-hole. I like Starling, actually, in the three-hole a little bit more than the two-hole. Uh than bat fourth, um, then maybe Wilcox in fifth. Actually, you know, I think I would flip those guys. I think I would have Wilcox in fourth with Moreland behind him, so uh, maybe Wilcoxon can see more fastballs. Um, I think I would definitely have Amac batting ninth. I think that's where he's been – his most productive this year, um, but other than that, uh, maybe have Nowak playing, or sorry, JC playing uh, right field, Cunningham in left field, and Noak playing DH, preferably.
1: Because, yeah. yeah. Carter Cunningham guys playing uh playing well do you I think it was the walk up music? Most definitely. Mm-hmm.
2: I think it was the angst towards the walk-up music you know I think that's <laughs> what really he was like you know what I'm gonna show these guys that my walk-up song works for mm. me and the, all the naysayers out there that hate his walk-up song it's trash you're them
1: wrong <laughs> oh, I mean all you have to do is look around the stadium when it comes on and nobody's reacting to it and if they are it's like <laughs> the three people that are going like this <laughs> <laughs> Like, come on now. Well, Todd
2: Frazier used um, a Frank Sinatra song for like six seasons in Cincinnati, and he had a ton of bombs. So maybe it's just, you know, whatever works for you.
1: Hey, if it works, I'm all for it. And I honestly don't really care, but I just.
0: Bring A.J. Wilson back. Pump it up. It's time. (laughs) Pump it up.
1: A.J. Wilson can stay in Charlotte with his one-third of an (laughs) inning, hit batter, strikeout, no decisions.
0: It <laughs> Pumping it up. Pumping it
1: up. And I do want to touch
0: on that lineup real quick. Yeah, go for I, it. I want to say that the lineup that we put out, I think, on Saturday, I think is my favorite lineup we put out so far with Hoover leading off, Starling 2, Wilcoxon 3, Moylan 4, JJC 5. That top five right there is beautiful in my eyes. And I think – I look at this one and I see A-Mac in a three-hole. And personally, I prefer Wilcoxon. But I do think, like, in a lot of ways, those are, it's kind of similar. You know, I think Amex floor is probably lower than Wilcoxon's, but they both, I think, have a lot of swing and miss in their game when they're not on. But when they are on, they're both very, very powerful bats and they can come through with some big hits. And Cunningham in the nine hole, if Cunningham keeps hitting how he has the past two weekends, then that's a pretty good nine hole guy. I like Nolak. Nowak, honestly, I like him six seven either one of those spots but and and scott mentioned you know preferring jjc in right field i'm actually the opposite right now and i i let me just i want to start off and say, i still don't trust luke, luke nowak's defense in left field uh, i just still don't but i i do think that cliff godwin likes to use defensive replacements late in the game and i would rather that be for luke nowak's bat than jacob jenkins coward and so jjc at dh is bad safe. And, but Luke Nowak, you could put Riley Johnson in the center, slide Hoover over the left. So that would be the only uh, disagreement I have there just because, I mean, I like Riley Johnson too, but I'd much rather him be in the game for Luke Nowak than Jacob Jenkins-Coward.
1: Uh, the way he drew it up says his logic on Amac is uh, he's our X factor. He's too good defensively with no backup. If he hit in the three spot, he wouldn't get as much junk thrown to him he would have jjc protecting him he says i think amac would play over his head in the three hole it would get rid of the holes in our lineup from being too top heavy and it's a fair point um but i feel like he's hit in the middle of the lineup in the past with mixed results so
2: yeah, you know just spent a little bit of time in the five spot yeah um but right now he has hoover starling jc all behind him so because he's in the nine hole and he's still getting attacked and you know Cracking out sometimes but had a great weekend this weekend
1: um the way he drew it up also says did y'all see how fast cunningham got to that ball that should have been a double and held him to a single yeah i think carter's played a solid solid right field this year i think he's really good going back on the ball you know as opposed to coming in maybe um and then cutting the ball off i think he's done a good job uh, J.J.C., according to Johnny Robertson, had eight home runs and 120 pre-injury at-bats. Since returning, he has one home run and 53 at-bats. Any thoughts? I don't know if the uh, ruptured testicle sapped his power or what, but, you know, he's hit the ball He's hit the ball hard. Um, he's hit more line drives recently with nothing to show for it. He's not really elevating the ball honestly think if he continues to swing the bat like he is he'll start running through some home runs he he gets kind of streaky as far as the long ball like a lot of power hitters do and I, I just think maybe we need another return down to florida it was last year's tournament right he was crushing the ball him and bryson Worrell were just unreal so i think if he if he continues on this path he'll be fine um but yeah i mean you got to still be getting over the the mental aspect of having your testicle ruptured, right? Oh yeah, yeah.
2: So, yeah, and I think he took the ball the other way a little bit more this past weekend. He did. Oh, yeah. And mm-hmm. if you start doing that, they'll start they'll stop throwing you away. And if he can get some more balls in, then you'll start seeing the home runs come too.
1: Yeah, he took some massive rips that he came up empty on. I thought he was going to rupture his other testicle for a minute. Like <laughs> I was like, "Dang, dude, calm down." Um no, nah, glad to see him back. He'll be fine, man. I think he's been, I think he's been swinging the bat well, even better than his, like him and Moylan have been hitting some rockets right at dudes. Oh yeah, man. it's it's been kind of unfortunate. But and I
0: think I think honestly, JJC at this point might be just more of a, a doubles power type of guy. I think he got hot and he was hitting homers. But you know, look at this year—the eight home runs pre-injury. You know, three of those came in one week. One game. Three of those came in one. One. Game. So. You know, you take those out, that's five pre-injury. and But still, I think he definitely has the power. But I do think at this point he's probably more of a doubles type of power guy, and that's fine because he did kill the ball this weekend.
1: All right, let's get into um, the week ahead because we've got to talk about the conference championship race. We've had several comments on, hey, can we rely on Cincinnati to win a game? Can we loan Cincinnati anybody? Somebody said Merritt Beaker is already on his way um and i you know cincinnati can't pitch they they can't pitch it's painful to watch it's honestly going to be a lot like watching tulane except maybe not quite as bad but still pretty bad like you look at your pitching numbers and it's disgusting um but they can hit probably even better than tulane to an extent so can they win a game? Yes, they can win a game. But, you know, I, I got to give Houston credit, guys. Houston's playing at a pretty high level right now. It's a shame they started the year so bad. Um, they've kind of found something in this Murray kid who's been a two-way star. He's really been a shutdown reliever. He's also hitting the ball well. He's probably looking at the conference player of the year if they win the conference championship. You know, they don't have a great starting rotation. They hit the ball pretty well. Um Cincinnati is just going to have to out hit them and find a way to string together maybe two to good, two to three good pitching performances. They've got guys with decent stuff, better stuff than Tulane. Um, It's just, I don't know. What is y'all's belief in Cincinnati taking a game at Houston?
0: I, I don't know. I mean, I was obviously not impressed by what I saw from Cincinnati, But I mean, like I said, I still am just not that high on Houston. Yes, they've won some games in this conference. Again, that's not saying much. But for, I I don't know, I think Houston, I think the difference between Houston and a Cincinnati is more than you would, is tighter than what you would think just by looking at standings alone. So could Cincinnati do it? Yeah, I mean, if that Ryan Nicholson dude gets a hold of a couple balls and sends them 470 out of the field again, then, yeah, they might be in a in a good spot to win some games if their pitching can hold on to it. But I think it, at this point it's it's a crapshoot. Who knows? But they definitely could. I do think they could.
1: Um, we got several different takes here on Cincinnati. <laughs> um, Josh Hill says Cincinnati's going to take Sunday. Are they going to take Sunday off because they're not playing Sunday? Yeah. Um, the Way He Drew It Up says for Tulane to score as much as they did against Houston, I think Cincinnati has hotter bats and can win at least one. And then Kirk Cone says Cincinnati will get their ass whooped, their pocket book taken, and their name in the hospital book this week. Wow. Uh, Adam McMahon says since he's bullpen is better than Tulane's, not by much, but they are.
2: My hospital yeah. team's bullpen was better than Tulane's, So <laughs> Yeah, I mean, we
1: could go out there and perform just as good as Tulane's bullpen. And I could perform just as good as two-lanes catcher. I'm pretty, pr- pretty sure. I could drop every pitch. I could get hit with ke- catcher's interference three times.
2: You think so? You think yeah. you, after the first time you would be like, all right, I'm <laughs> done with this and walk yeah. back in the dugout?
1: <laughs> I probably would just leave. I'd be like, this is this is not worth dying for. Um. So, guys, I mean, at the end of the day, ECU's got to sweep USF right to have a shot. Like, I don't think Cincinnati's going to – I don't think Cincinnati's he's going to take this series, but I think they can definitely win a game. Right. What do you think? I think, Scott?
2: So I think, I think you'll see some softball games break out in Houston this weekend. Uh, you know, some 12 to 10 type 17 to 11 type games. Um, I, let's see what real quick, let's look at the American standings. Cause I think Cincinnati, yeah, they're a game up on Memphis and two games up on South Florida. So, um, If Memphis loses, then they're pretty much locked into that 4-5 game anyway, so they're not going to have to play for, you know, the first day because they're going to be playing the same team either way. Um, But, yeah, I mean, I think Cincinnati definitely has the firepower, and Houston doesn't have a deep pitching staff. So, you know, if they can get into some scoring fast, I would look for that Thursday game, to be honest with you, as a game that is potentially, you know, the most winnable game for Cincinnati on the road. Um, You know, Houston has plays a good team midweek in Sam Houston State. Not sure how much effort they'll really put into that, knowing that they need all three games this weekend to win the conference. But another factor is Houston hasn't been in this position. They haven't been the team with a half-game lead going in to the final series, needing to hold on to a a conference championship. So maybe there'll be some pressure there too, um, but I for sure will be pulling for the, the Cincinnati Bearcats this weekend.
1: Here's another factor, guys. Does Houston – like, Houston's not getting in that large. Do they have to – they kind of have to play for the tournament too. Like, what good does it do for them to win the regular season with an 80 RPI if they're not – if they're going to turn around and lose on Tuesday because they exhausted their pitching? So, I I don't know. I mean, I still think they'll play for the regular season title. But you got to wonder if that thought creeps into their coach's mind where, like, they're like, hey, do we really – you know, do we really want to put all our eggs in the regular season basket when at the end of the day, it'd be nice to have a championship, but that's not going to make the tournament. I don't know. I guess that's Todd Whitting's call. Maybe he's trying to save his job with a regular season championship. But, uh, but yeah, just another thought there. Um, the way he drew it up says, for all those pundits that want to talk about us losing to Duke early in the season, can we not acknowledge Clemson getting swept by UCF, who we swept? Yeah, Scott talked about that. Uh at like the eight minute mark. So and get remember, in the game.
2: Remember we, <laughs> the week we lost to Duke, we went two and two that week and we dropped like five spots in the polls. That's so, true. looks like that loss wasn't quite as bad as it was made to seem at the time.
1: They're still punishing ECU for it as they drop this week too. Um, <laughs> Duke also dropped in the polls. They're so like, you know what? We got to drop ECU as well. <laughs> All right, let's make our predictions, guys. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to predict, A, ECU's record the coming week. B, will the Pirates conclude the regular season with a conference championship or not? And C, our bonus prediction, which we're always wrong on, but yet we continue to make. Last week, we predicted Cam Claunch. And Ryan McChrystal would homer. I think they had a combined three at bats. They did not homer. Scott predicted Tulane would win the series along with UNC, right? Yep. So you UNC got UNC half UNC credit. Their series. So half credit is uh, still zero in my book, a round down. <laughs> um, <laughs> only for wags or a round up. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so we'll. Uh, Let's do it. Let's get into this. So let's make all three predictions one by one, if that makes sense. So like whoever goes can go ahead and predict all three. I guess uh, we'll let Wags start it off because last week he had to go last. So Wags, what do you got for predictions this week?
0: All right. I'm going to go out of order here. And I'm going to say that ECU is not going to come out of this with a regular season conference championship. I do think that Cincinnati takes a game. But I think ECU is going 2-2 two two this week. I just – I have a bad feeling about the – the, not the Clemson, the Campbell game. I just, I just have a bad feeling about that one. I think it's going to be two good teams. I think it's going to be a really close game. But in the end, I just – I think that Campbell is going to gut that one out, unfortunately. And then the South Florida series, again, it's on the road. We showed that maybe we're back on the road against Cincinnati, but that's Cincinnati. South Florida might not be that much better. But on the short rest, the pitching staff might not be, you might be scraping by a little bit more. So I think you lose one against South Florida for a two and two week. And my bonus prediction, I'm not going to lie, I'm kind of just talking through it right now. That's why I delayed a little bit, because I I don't know what I'm going to do. But I'm, I I think, hmm. We can they always it's come awful. back
1: to you if you need it if you need us.
0: Let's no, okay, I'm gonna so originally I was gonna pick three and one, but I decided not to, and I was gonna say that ECU is gonna have three different guys earn saves on the week, but I'm I'll stick something similar to that since I picked two and two. and I think that you will see two different guys with the save. And I think one of them is one of them is not going to be your your top end guys. It's not going to be Wyatt Lancherchenkum, and it's not going to be Carter Spivey. It's not going to be a Danny Beal. It's going to be one of those guys we talked about, like a Willie Lumpkin, a Tyler Broad. He's going to come in close into the game because your bullpen's worn down. One of them will pick up at least one of those two saves, but both wins will be via the save opportunity.
1: So, so you're going. Uh... <laughs> So Pretty much what? I'm
0: going somebody's stepping up okay. out of the bullpen okay. and getting an unexpected save. Someone like Tyler Brott, Willie Lumpkin, okay. would will get a save this weekend. So that, I'll stick with
1: that. Somebody uh, unexpected getting a save. There we go. That's fair, fair. Um, all right, Scott, we'll go to you second.
2: All right, so let's say. Wags talk so long, I forgot the questions. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, no, uh, let's see. So, will we win the conference championship? I'm going to go with yes. I think Cincinnati um, takes at least one from Houston. Um, I don't think Houston has the uh, the the mental fortitude to hold on to a lead um, of uh, the conference championship. And I think Cincinnati will be inspired to win, potentially to play their way into the the three seed and not have to play us until the conference championship, which I think is their best path to making the NCAA tournament. Uh, I think we got 4-0 this weekend. I I did check the weather while Wags was talking to make sure that it wasn't going to rain or anything like that tomorrow night. So I think we should be good there. Um, And I like the way we're playing right now. And what was the the – oh, bold prediction here. We are going to run rule South Florida not once but twice this weekend. We're going we're gonna to beat them by at least 10 at two times. We're not going to do the thing where we're up 10 in the sixth inning and then give up a run and then have to play all nine innings for no reason. Um, we're going to hold on to it this time. We'll, we'll get at least one run rule win, maybe even two. All
1: right, I'm going to go three and one. I, I think ECU beats Campbell. I think they're going to be very motivated for this game. Um, Sailor's last potential start and Clark LeClaire are performance in Clark Leclerc. I think he'll pitch well. I think the offense will find a way to, to get out enough runs against a solid Campbell staff. I think the crowd will make a difference. So I'm going to win there, and then I think two out of three at USF. It just seems like ECU doesn't play its best ball at South Florida, and I think the Bulls will still win, and I think Cincinnati will still one. but obviously if ECU and Houston both win two out of three. That leaves ECU a half game short. So I'm going no regular season conference championship. I do think ECU is going to win the tournament, which we'll get into next week and make up for that. But I'm going three and one and also no championship. I hope I'm wrong. And ECU makes it four in a row. All right, bold prediction. I, like Wagner, have nothing to predict. I don't have anything that comes to mind. So now I'm stalling. I'm not going to. I'm going to make a decision, though. So I'm going to say that Lane Hoover Uh hits for the cycle this week. wow.
0: Extremely bold.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I'm going as bold as possible.
0: Uh, Well, a clarification question. Are you saying just for the cycle as a whole on a week or in one specific game he will hit One
1: specific game. He is going to single, double, triple, and homer. He might. Yeah. It's a good probability that he'll get, in, um, he'll get it inside the park homer to complete the cycle. <laughs> so he won't hit it out. What he'll do is he'll hit one off the wall, and the outfitter will fall down. He'll race home and beat the throw to complete the cycle. Now, if this prediction comes true, I am retiring <laughs> on top because uh, it'll be the most epic prediction prediction in in the history of podcasting. So, yeah. I, I, that's what that's what happens when you don't have a bold prediction ready to go. You just make up something completely uh,
0: out of hey, your ass. At least you made up something coherent. You didn't just ramble on and make three different <laughs> predictions before you narrowed it down to one like me.
1: <laughs> hey, we put you on the spot. You know, you've been making bold predictions all year long. Eventually, you kind of hit like, kind of run out. You know, there's only so many bold yeah. predictions to make. Clearly, well,
2: the one you got right ruined someone's. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> It's been all
1: downhill from there. Yeah. Clearly, we're not too good at this. But, um, but yeah. All right, guys, this was fun. Again, so uh, Friday at 12 noon, we'll be on ninety 94.3 The Game, the ECU Baseball Roundtable. I guess we could make our bonus predictions part two if it's not looking good come, go. come Friday. But Friday at 12 noon, we'll be on ninety 94.3 The Game on Hoist of Colors. Uh, I think we're going to have Wags in studio with me, and then we'll have Scott via video. So, again, we'll be on a different YouTube page, different platform, but check our Twitters. Also check uh, 94.3 The Game, their Facebook and face, or Facebook and YouTube as well to, to drop in your comments, different time, location, but we'll still be the same three guys. All right, for Jonathan Wagner, for Scott Lorbatcher, uh, I'm Stephen Igo. This has been Hoist the Colors. Thank you guys once again for all the comments. We'll be back with you on Friday and then again next week to preview the conference tournament.